0: This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Hey, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. And can we just kind of give it up for our band real quick? Don't they do... uh... An amazing, amazing job. I'm always so impressed. Uh, they It doesn't matter what we give them, whether it's ACDC or Jason Mraz. I mean, they pull that junk off. Or just Jesus. You know, they, they do it all. So, I mean, it's, it's its really incredible. We're blessed to have such great volunteers and leaders that, that help set a, a tone here for what God wants to do each and every week and so man I'm just I'm, I'm really really thankful for them man we're beginning a brand new series today called The Vow and before I really dive into that I just want to say something real quick because a lot of people have asked me about it and, and want to know um, you know last week we we finished up our Give Me Faith series where we talked about uh, who we are and where we're going as a church and and a lot of people have asked you know what happened with the Give Me Faith offering and commitments and stuff and I'm gonna tell you just next week. So um, next week you want to be here because I know that there's people that I've talked to this week that said, hey, we still have commitments we, we need to make, and we have we have something we want to give. We weren't here last week, and so you can do that at the end of service. You can do that online, but so we want to wait for those people to be through so we can bring that all to you. So next week, man, we're going to have a great celebration. It's going to be awesome. We're going to find out exactly what we've done and where we're going and how that's going to work, and so it is going to be awesome. But this week, We're starting a brand new series called The Vow, and and we're talking about relationships. and And this is—I just kind of want to get a feel of of what's happening here in the room. So. can can I have all the single people kind of raise their hands for me and keep them up? Single people, look around, look around. There's potential spouse somewhere. Keep them up. Keep them proud. Yeah, what's up? What's up right now? You look, listen, Jesus might be telling you that's the person I need to hook up with. So I don't I'm not saying that, but you know, you might find your spouse. You can you can blame that on us, okay? You can just say Jesus' name, TJ hooked me up. He he had them raise their hands. And also, you know what? I just saw that like 90% of those are single ladies, so dudes, if you're single, man, this is the place to be. I don't know what's up with that, but uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about that. Anyways, this, isn't a club, this is Club Coastal, you know, I don't know. Um, sorry. Uh, okay, uh, on second thought, how many of y'all are married? If you raise your hands, married, married. Awesome. A lot of married people. How many, how many of you guys are married to the, to the right person? Okay. Yeah. If you're not raising your hand, you are in big freaking trouble right now. I'm just telling you that right now. Like, I, I'll see a guy in the back. He's like, "Man, I'm making sure my hand is up, babe. Look, my hand's up." Okay, so that's that's awesome. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, so, um, how many of you guys think you you? you never mind. Um, we won't go there. But this is what I know. There's this this idea that's out there, and it, it is going to be the the fundamental kind of truth. And if you're taking notes, this is the main idea for this series. Um, it's kind of lay the foundation of everything that we do and it's this idea that to be really fulfilled in life you have to find the one to be really fulfilled in life you've got to find the one person you got to you got to find that person that's going to bring everything that you've been looking for in marriage if you find that person then everything else will kind of fall into place because that's how it's supposed to work you find that perfect person and 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 Everything is good, but, you know, you can look at a lot of marriages today and you see that a lot of people feel like they have not found that perfect person. And and therefore, you know, there's some tragedy happening in the family. And one of the things that we're passionate about here at Coastal is, man, we want to help build strong families. And, and strong families aren't just families that do things with their kids. A strong family starts first and foremost with the husband and wife and we want to build strong marriages and marriages are all about that relationship and so this week i was studying and i was checking out this book called um It's called Sexual Detour. It's by this lady named Dr. Holly Hine. And uh, she gave some stats in this book that kind of just rocked my world. And and I just want to share them because a lot of people feel like, man, they didn't find the right one or they found the wrong one and they made a bad choice. And and here's some stats of what she said. She says this, that nearly 70% of married men and 60% of married women have affairs. I mean, just, just think about that right now. Six out of ten women will have an affair on their spouse. And seven out of ten men will have an, an affair on their spouse. I mean, that's huge. That's, I mean, that's big right there. and That's so tragic. Uh, another thing that she said, she reports that, and this is from the statistics, that in the U.S., less than half the couples who marry will stay married for longer than 15 years. And this one is the one that really blew my mind. She said every 10 to 13 seconds, another couple divorces. Now you, you would have to admit that you have to look at those statistics and say, could it be possible that something fundamentally in our ideas there are just not working? Because if we were to take those statistics and kind of apply them to another area of life, like say, say you got a, a broadcast from the school uh, board that tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's a school day, right? And we're, no schools are canceled tomorrow because of a wannabe hurricane or anything. Um, so, so schools put out a broadcast tomorrow. Hey, listen, on your way to, on the way to school tomorrow, while your kids are on their way to school or on their way to a bus stop, if they're walking or riding their bike, there is a 50% chance that they're going to be mauled and killed by a wolverine. You know, what? I mean, this is hypothetical, so just bear with me. We don't have wolverines in Florida, but I just thought that would be pretty freaking awesome if wolverines were, ugh, you know. And so, um, and so, hypothetically, you get this newsletter, hey, this bulletin, 50% of y'all's kids, they're going to be killed and mauled tomorrow on their way to school, riding to the bus stop, you know, walking to school by wolverines. Now, as a parent, what are you going to do? Are you going to, when you're sending them out in the morning, are you going to be like, listen, Susie, here's the deal. When you're out there, I want you to look. You know the kid down the block that's a little overweight. Wait till he 's leaving for school and walk with him and when you see the Wolverine, just make sure you can outrun them. you know that's like or you're not going to be like, "You know what? Um, make sure you put your track shoes on you you're not going to do that, are you You're probably going to drive your kid to school that week um you, you know you're going you're going to maybe equip them with some some Armor and a shotgun. I don't know. You're going to hook them up some way to make sure that they get to school safe, or they're going to—they're just going to be skipping classes that week. I mean, you're going to do something because you're like, man, that's just—I don't want my kid to die. Or, or let's just say you go to the weather channel tomorrow and it says, listen, it's going to be horrible weather tomorrow, even though it's going to be beautiful. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah. Um, you know, but it's going to be horrible weather tomorrow, and because of that, 50% of you are going to get into accidents, accidents, and, and die tomorrow. Now, for most of us, that means we're probably skipping work. But for those of us that are driving tomorrow, we're going to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to be extremely safe tomorrow, right? We're going we're to drive the speed limit. We're going to actually not text and drive at the same time. Maybe we'll wear a helmet or something, even put on our seatbelt. I mean, we'll do some drastic things when it comes to that. And, and, and we hear those statistics and we look at that and we say, man, we would take some measures. Knowing those things in advance. Well, here's the deal. When we look at marriages, don't we think have to do the same thing? Don't we have to put some measures in place and say, how do I make sure that I'm not part of the statistic that's out there that says that my marriage is going to fail? What am I going to do differently than everybody else so I can end up on the better side of that stat than rather than being that stat? And what I'm going to ask you to do is is over the this week and the next couple of weeks is that you guys just open up your minds to what maybe God has to say about relationships and how it can apply to your spouse, to your future spouse. And this is the thing that I know, that single people, as soon as you hear marriage, all of a sudden you check out and you're thinking about the latest Justin Bieber song or you're thinking about the, the new Red album by uh, Taylor Swift and, you know, your mind is off, you know, somewhere else, um, you know, uh, And and so you're just checking out, and let me just tell you something. I truly believe that what we're going to talk about today and over the next couple weeks, if you will start applying it right now, you, when you do get married or when you do get engaged, your relationship will be so much better than 99.9% of the people. And if you're married, if you will apply the principles of what we're talking about over the next couple of weeks into your marriage and you will do some of the, the, the exercises that we're going to give you, that I promise that it will improve your relationship status and you will see it go to a, a whole nother level, an H&L. And I really believe that God wants to do some awesome things. And so we're going to build off the premise today, that this whole idea that you have got to find the one to be really fulfilled in life. And we're going to begin with some scripture that, that came from a time when an expert of the law came to Jesus and he said, listen, bro, I just need you to boil this down. What is the big thing? What is the main point of all this junk that you're talking about? And Jesus responds to him and he says, listen, if you're going to boil it down to one thing, let me just break it down right now. And he says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 through 39, he says this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul And with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love God first. I'm going to make it really simple. Love God first. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, with all of your strength. Basically, love God with all you got, man. Make that your ultimate in life. And if you do that, man, it'll, it'll just change. It'll be a game changer for your life. And, and, and so if we were to look at that and, and look at how we respond to things in, in today's terms, it's a little bit different than that because a, a single dude, what happens is, is he sees a lady and he starts saying, oh, man, that girl looks fly, man. She's hot. Man, she's got. Oh, she's smoking. You know, I, I'm feeling like a pimp. I'm gonna brush my shoulder. You know, he goes in that game mode. Like, man, she smells good. Oh, the aroma. You know, she she must use herbal essences or whatever. And uh, and so he's doing all that. And he starts. Oh, she she kind of has a good personality. She might be the one. She might be the one. Oh, you know what? I think that she's the one. And then and then a, a lady. You know, she sees that there's a guy that's out there, and she's like, oh, he's so sweet. You know. I like it when he talks to me. He has a raspiness about his voice, and he's so masculine. And, and I don't know that he loves Jesus, but when he wears that deep, plunging v-neck, I see a little cross tattoo right here. So, oh, he's stolen my heart. Oh, he must be the one. You know, and we go off, and we, we start saying, oh, I think I found the one. They must be the one. And, and honestly... I'm just waiting for a, a Christian guy or a Christian girl that did a walk up and say, you know what, I think I finally found the number two in my life. I think I finally found the number two in my life. Because if you're taking notes, here's the thing that we need to get. God is supposed to be number one. God is supposed to be number one. But all we talk about is, oh, I'm trying to find the one. Well, we should already know what the one is. God just sets it up and he says, man, there is to be one. I'm to be the one. I'm to be the first and foremost in that place in your life. And, and man, I'm to be the priority in your life. And you're to to look to me for everything. In fact, God has just kind of established this from day one. He said, man, the, the first commandment, which is love the Lord your God. You know, he he like established it right there. He said, man, love God, man, make that your first, make that your ultimate, make that your priority. If If you'll do that, it'll change everything. And I know that this is hard for single people, but I hope that you'll hear this, man. If you will start making God your number one right now, it'll change everything. Because when we are looking for a relationship to be our number one, you know what that is? That's called idolatry. Is putting anything before God that should rightfully be his spot. And he established that his spot is number one, that he is number one in our life, and we pursue God, he'll be our number one. And the whole idea is that our spouse is to be number two. Our spouse is to be our number two. And today what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at some principles and um, some vows that came out of a book and some ideas that came out of a book called Marriage on the Rock by a guy named Jimmy Evans. I encourage you to go out and buy the book. It'll change your life. Shayla and I read this eight or nine years ago, and it radically transformed our relationship because we started seeing some things that God established in the beginning of time and said, man, if you'll make these things a priority, man, it will totally transform your life. And so we started doing those things, and man, it is radically transformed formed our relationship. And so when you get married, you make vows Did it, every, all you married people, when you got married, did you not commit some vows to each other? Like, uh, till death do us part, all that kind of stuff. You know, you remember saying some of those things like, I, "I, I think I like you for the rest of my life." It's something like that. Maybe you wrote your own vows like, "We'll try to respect each other" or something. Well, I found this story of a grandmother. She was hanging out with her granddaughter, and they were at the kitchen table, and the granddaughter was playing with some Barbies, and and uh, she noticed that the the granddaughter was like having this ceremony, and so she saw it was Ken and Barbie, and they were and they were there, and she brought them up there, and you know, they started talking and they started going through the vows, and 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 she goes. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in the court of law. You may now kiss the bride. Some of y'all you're like, "I like those vows. We should have used those, you know. But there are vows in life that we all take, and we're going to look at some different vows that are taken from Genesis chapter two verses. 24 and 25 if you want to go ahead and turn in your bible there we're going to be kind of camping out there and hanging out if you don't know where that is in in the bible it's in the very beginning genesis um if you don't have a bible you can look in your worship guide in your notes you can look at the screen we'll have all that stuff there and, and what's happening is, and what's taking place this is right after god has uh created the earth and he's looking around and he's seeing man that all this stuff is good he's saying man everything is excellent and awesome except he looks around and he notices that one thing isn't perfect he notices this is that Adam is a single guy, and I don't know if you've ever been to, like, a bachelor's apartment, but it's never a good sign. I'm just telling you, it's like pizzas on the floor. There's stuff glued to the, to the ceiling. It's, it's nasty, and so God looks at the earth and says, man, man, everything is good except for Adam by himself. I mean, that's just an issue, and so he puts him to sleep, and uh, he takes out a rib, and he forms Eve, and he wakes Adam up, and when Adam looks over, he sees Eve, and he goes, whoa, man, and, and so that's how he got the name woman. Anyways, um, I know that that was cheesy, Listen, give a brother some slack here. You know, it's hard to come up with creative crap every single week that it, like blows your mind. I'm just telling you, sometimes you just got to be cheesy. It ain't easy being cheesy. I think that was a commercial at some point. Anyways, Genesis 2, 24 and 25. It says this, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at some 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 vows that come out of this verse. And this week, we're going to be looking at this vow of priority about how we're supposed to make God our first and our, our spouse our second. Next week, we're going to look at this vow of of what we call pursuit because we have to pursue uh, this relationship that we have. A lot of times, uh, especially for guys, we love to go and accomplish something, acquire something. And once we have it, like it's like going hunting. You kill a deer. You set it up on the mantle and you look at it but you don't ever pursue it anymore. You're off to another thing. And that's what happens a lot of times in relationships. And we're going to get to the heart of what we should be doing all the time to make sure that we are pursuing our, our spouse in our relationship. The week after that, we're going to talk about this whole vow of partnership and what does a biblically functioning relationship look like and how do we continue to pursue one another and partner together to have God's best for our lives. And the last week, we're going to talk about the vow of purity. And I truly believe that, that in the next couple weeks, and that week especially, that we're going to see that God wants us to have this intimacy and this relationship with our spouse that is incredible. And if we will pursue these things and we'll apply the principles that are behind him will experience a life like we've never imagined but today we're going to really focus in on this vow of priority and going back to verse 24 there it says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother. I want you guys to circle that word leave, and that word leave right there is this word azab, and it means to loosen or to relinquish, to, to let go of what you are holding and commit to something new, and what what, what it's basically saying is, is we got a grip on something in life, and he's saying, man, when, when, when we get into a relationship, we let go of the current relationship that we're in, and we grab hold of the other. We, when we get married, we grab hold of our spouse instead of holding on to our parents, because the way the God designed us and the way he uh, made us to be is this whole idea that until we're married, the relationship we should be clinging to, we should have God in the first place, but the second relationship we should be clinging to is our parental structure. They're there for a reason to lead and to guide us, but when we make a commitment to our spouse, we're to, we're to let go of our parents and grab hold of our spouse, and basically it's like being on a trapeze, and you're holding on to your parents, and, and you're swinging back and forth, and all of a sudden you go, whoa, there's that's a, that's a good one. And you you do a backflip off, and you grab onto that one, and you cling to it. That's what he's saying. And, and and we gotta we gotta recognize that God designed us not to have other things as a priority besides Him. He's to be the number one. But we're the we're to have our relationship as the number two, and we're to cling to that thing. We're to leave everything else and cling to that. And so the very foundational principle and the, and the vow that, that we need to grab hold of and understand and make here today is, is this idea that we need to promise to make God our number one and our spouse our number two in life. Man, our God has got to be the priority in our life. And and listen, if your marriage isn't working the way it should be, if you feel like your marriage is out of whack, I'll just tell you something right now. It's probably because one of your priorities or both of your priorities are on something else. Something has has replaced God at number one and your spouse at number two. And it's so easy to replace your priorities with other things. I mean, I can I look all the time and I see this epidemic happening in people's lives, especially down here, and I don't know why this is, but I look around and I see this this, this thing happening where where parents are replacing um, the priority of their spouse with their children. And, and so everything in their life revolves around their kids. And so they're always going to their kids' games. They're always thinking about, how do I get them to the next event? How do I make sure that they have this? How do they do that and that and this and that? And their life revolves around going from one soccer game to a baseball game, to, to this event, to that birthday party, to this. And they totally neglect their spouse like they're kind of two roommates just hanging out together raising some kids and we would call that child-centered parenting what i would call that is a child-centered relationship where your entire relationship is based on your kids and their life and you have ceased to exist as a couple And it's really easy and it's really subtle to to allow that ladder to take priority in your life. All of a sudden, you're neglecting going out on dates with one another. You're going to play dates with other moms or other dads or you're going to baseball games with your kids and you're missing out and you've replaced that thing. And the problem isn't priorities because that's a good priority to have in life. It's a good priority to parent your kid. That's not a bad thing. The problem is it's the order of your priorities. All of a sudden, instead of being God first, your spouse second, everything else after that, your kids, your career, all those things, All those other things start creeping up. All of a sudden, that career starts moving into that place of of your spouse or of God. And all of a sudden, that career is the main thing. And you're thinking, man, how do I make more money? How do I continue to climb this ladder? How do I make sure? And so you're going out to extra business meetings. You're going out to extra events. You're networking more. Instead of spending your time with your spouse, you're doing those things. And all of a sudden, that, that creeps in. There's this drift that just happens in our lives. For some of us, it's this idea that, man, I want a bigger house. I want more things. And so we're going after the bigger house. We need a bigger house we need a nicer house we need a we need a we need a, a a more furnished house and and so we're putting off this image and all of a sudden that image transfers to man I gotta look good I gotta look swag and I gotta I gotta swagger jack that guy's stuff and and I gotta have that stuff in my life and and all of a sudden that becomes the priority in our lives and we're trying to acquire more and more stuff and then all of a sudden it comes to the image of ourselves and like you go like, I gotta get rid of this keg and get a six-pack and so you're you're Botoxing and you detoxing and all this other crap I don't really know what else I'm saying right there and so we're doing all this stuff and the problem isn't that those things are bad the problem is is that those priorities have gotten out of order those priorities have just gotten us so out of whack and, and we're to recognize and how God has established that God is to be our number one priority and our spouse is always to be our number two. And whenever we get those priorities out of line, our marriage always suffers. It's not a, if it will suffer, it will suffer. And, and, and I come to you, because I, I know this to be truth. I mean, this is, this is an area, and, and this is what radically transformed my life, is, is this message right here, this idea of the vow of priority, when I heard it for the first time, because I realized that I'm a workaholic in life. You know, I I grew up with a family, um, and, and my mom and my stepdad's motto was this. We're not the smartest people, we're not the best looking, but gosh darn it, it's hard to beat somebody that never sleeps. And their whole idea is, man, we will outwork anybody else, and we might not be better than them, but we'll just put in more work, and we'll eventually outgain them. And so, because I grew up in that mentality, that's always been my mentality. I'm a workaholic. And so, back in the early 2000s, after Shayla and I got married, I, I was working at a church um, 40 hours a week, and I own my own business, so I worked another 50 hours a week at that. And and uh, and and at the same time, you know, so I'm, I'm putting in all these hours. The rest of my time is, is meant for sleep. At the same time, Shayla is working all the time and doing stuff with her family, and I don't really like her family, so I didn't want to hang out with them, so I would rather go back to work. And, um, you know, j- just truth, I don't... Um, I'm just, <laughs> Sorry, this is confession here. It's good for the soul, bad for the relationships. Um, and so, you know, all these things are happening. And and I remember being at work one day and, and, and looking at my life for some reason. I was peeling off, off wallpaper. I own a construction business, and we were doing a remodel of the bathroom. And, and I was peeling off wallpaper, and I was like, this is like my life. My life is completely falling apart. It was just a total, total mess. And I remember... Coming home that day, and on my way home, I'm, I, I called up all these appointments I had. It was, a, it was a Thursday evening, and I remember calling up these appointments saying, hey, I'm not going to make it tonight. Uh, and I remember walking into, my, into the house, and it was like Shayla and I were, were like roommates at this time. Like, we maybe had a conversation in passing, like, hey, what's up? You know, and maybe gave a high five or something. But that was, that was the level of intimacy and touch right there. It was, hey, way to go. And uh, I remember walking into the house that day, and, and I don't know what she was doing. She was at the, she was at the kitchen, and, and she was cutting something, and it smelled like death in there. And that death was just the reality and stench of our relationship. And I remember walking in, and her turning and looking at me with the most evil look in her eyes, and her having a knife in her hand. And all I could really think about was, I'm about to get Lorena (laughs) Bobbitt. And I don't have kids now, so maybe, I don't know, never mind. Um, And I could just see, honestly, in her face that, man, there was just this disconnect. And it was in that moment that I realized, man, having a job is a good thing. Being in ministry is a good thing. Those are good things, but they're not the right things. And so many of us, we've replaced our the main priorities in our life, God and our spouse, with good things. Listen, your kids are good things. Your career is a good thing, but it's not the best thing. And all of a sudden, we wonder why we're having all these issues in our lives. And this is what I started to realize that, I would say that my wife is a priority. I would say that she was important to me. But those were just empty words. They were just good intentions. Priorities are always proven by actions. And I started looking at the actions of our lives, and I started saying, man, you know what? Some things have got to change. And so, uh, man, I, we re- I repented, and we started changing And God started changing our life. And you know what? There's a lot of you guys that are out there right now that are doing the exact same thing. And you know your spouse should be high up there, but man, they've kind of taken some lower rungs in the ladder of life. And those priorities have just gotten completely out of whack. And what I want to do is I just want to talk to the guys for a couple minutes. I just want to have kind of man-to-man conversation here. Because this is what I know. Guys, we how many of y'all I mean, like you have like this nature that you just you just protect. Anybody out there, like you just, you're just like a protector. Like anybody? Am I the only guy that likes to protect? I figure there's got to be at least four of us. Okay. Good. There's there's seven. Positive. We we're making progress here. You know, I I like my natural desire is to protect, you know, and, and and I've got skills. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty dangerous. I, I feel like I've got lethal weapons right here in my hands. You know, i got like nunchuck skills and star skills, if you've ever watched any movies or anything. Uh, anyways, um, you know, and, and, and I have this tendency to want to protect. That's my natural desire. And, and you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm protecting my wife, and, 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 and I know that I've got skills, because I remember this one time in our lives, um, you know, we came home from church, and there was, a, there was a sign on our door that said there was a snake in our house, and I didn't believe them. and so we took a nap, and my wife woke me up, and she said, I hear something. When, you, when your wife wakes you up, and they say you hear something, most of the time, you just hand them the bat and say, go check it out, right? Well, I didn't do that. I jumped up, and I noticed that there was a snake on the floor, so I grabbed that mug, grabbed it by my hand, it bit me. It was awesome. And uh, I threw that junk outside. I didn't care. I'm a protector, baby. Skills to pay the bills right here. <laughs> lethal, lethal weapons. Don't come near me. I will, I will whoop you. Anyways, um, I've never hit anybody since like the f- five years old, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But, man, I want to keep my family safe. I want to keep my family safe, and there's just this desire to protect But this is what I also know, that that, you know what? If my wife was in need or or if somebody I loved was in need, I'd be the first one to lay down my life. Anybody else out there like that? You see somebody that you love, and, and you'd lay down your life in an instant. Here's the thing that we need to understand. God hasn't called us to lay down our life for somebody else. He's called us to live for other people. You know, it's so easy for us to want to go die for something, but God is saying, man, I want you to live for others. Not for yourself, but I want you to live for others. To live for God and make him the number one priority, and then to live to serve and meet the needs of your spouse, number two. Because in life, you're only called to live for two things. You're not called to live for your career. You're not called to live for your kids. You're not called to live for that hobby that you have. You're called to live for God, and you're called to live for your spouse. That's why Paul said in Ephesians five twenty five, he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And how did he love her? He said he gave himself up for her. I would challenge you to protect your number two, to protect that relationship that you have and and how do you do that man i I think we need to protect them physically you know you 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 might need to go take some jiu-jitsu classes or buy a gun or something that's a that's a good thing like it's good to, to excuse me to have safety it's good to go get alarm system on your house do those things but you know what we also need to protect them spiritually that means we need to lead our home spiritually that we need to be the one that's is getting up early and saying man I'm going to seek God and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lead the way in our family I'm going to be the one that's up early on Sunday morning go, getting everybody ready for church and and I'm going to lead that way and I'm going to I'm going to be seeking after God I'm going to be praying for my family I'm going to be doing all those things I'm going to I'm going to protect them spiritually man if some of you is is protecting them financially it's saying you know what I'm not going to do what everybody else does financially I'm not going to spend 103% of my income I'm going to function like a biblically functioning family should. And I'm going to, I'm going to give 10% of my income. And then I'm going to be wise because the Bible tells me to be wise. And I'm going to save 10% of my income. So I have some margin in life. And then, you know what? I'll spend the rest. And you know what that'll do? That'll create security in my relationship. It'll create security because we're not living month to month wondering how we're going to make it without the next paycheck. And what happens if something happens. And all of a sudden you've created this sense of security in your life because you've gotten wise in your finances. And then, you know what? We're, We're to protect our spouse's heart Relationally, and so that means that you know what we make some commitments that you know what we're not going to lust after other women. We're not going to put ourselves in situations where we could compromise. We're going to make sure that she knows that she is the apple of our eye. That we only have eyes for her. That we're going to make a covenant, like it says in Job 31:1, that I will have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look lustfully upon another woman. And I'm going to make sure that she is my everything. That she knows how much she's loved, not just by my words but by my actions. And and she's going to her she's going to be secure in in this relationship because I am continually showing her how much I love her. And then, gentlemen, I would, I would encourage you to protect your priorities. Protect your priorities because it is the thing that is battling in our lives all the time. It's, it's saying, you know what, man, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to follow the way of the world because this is what I know, the way of the world ends in fifty plus percent of divorce and so you know what i want to live differently i want to have a different kind of family and so that means i'm not going to be like everybody else my priorities in life are going to be different they're going to be based on god being first and my spouse being second and everything else is going to come after that and if any of that gets out of whack man i'm going to get that crap back in order because i want to have the marriage of of the ages i want people to look at me and say that's what i want in life Man, I'm going to guard my relationship with God being number one and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that, that my spouse is number two and my family falls right after that. Three or f- wherever that may be in your life. But I'm going to get those things in order. And this is what I know. I, it's, it's easy for me to talk to dudes uh, because I am one and uh, I understand us uh, a little bit better and, and this is really my perspective for guys, but I, I sat down uh, just kind of impromptu yesterday. I, I, I busted out my iPhone and said, Shayla, I just want to ask you some questions. And, um, you know, she lives a super busy life. She's worked pretty much full-time her entire life while we've done ministry, while we've done all this other stuff. She leads small groups. She mentors women. She, she's doing all this stuff all the time. And, and I just said, you know what? How, how do we do this? And so I want you to take a look at, at what she said for, for the ladies of how we can practically do this for our lives. Take a look at the screen. Shayla, with all you do, how do you keep God in the number one spot in your life?
1: Sometimes I think it's difficult because different times in life or different seasons in life, it's really hard to, you know, some are busier than others. But for me, it's just making a priority for those things. And it looks different every day. Sometimes it's early in the morning. Sometimes it's at night. But it's just knowing that that's something that's important to me. So I'm going to make time to do it.
0: So, and... and in hearing that, how do you how do you build a routine in your life or, or what does that look like for you? To keep God in that number one spot. What are some examples of that?
1: Um, some of them might be setting my alarm a little bit earlier to to get up before I have meetings or whatever and just building that time into my schedule sometimes maybe it's taking my lunch break to um, Read or pray or whatever, you know that looks like on a daily basis or sometimes it's just before I go to bed reading but it's just making that a priority in my life and just building that time into my schedule
0: i know that there's probably a a lot of people that are out there that are you know uh, moms uh, they work the dad works you know they've they've got all these things going on all around their lives what advice do you have for them in the midst of chaos to to make god a priority in their life and put him number one
1: Um, I think so many times in life there are so many things that compete for our time and our attention and For me, it's just knowing that there's always going to be something that wants to steal my time away There's always going to be something that I need to do or I have to do but if I don't take time to make God a priority in my life and to build that time into my schedule or into the things that I do then I'm going to end up lacking in other areas of my life. So even though I'm busy, it's just recognizing that, you know, those other things aren't going to be the top competitor for what I need to do in my life. And that's have a relationship with God.
0: Let, let's talk a little bit about our marriage and, and how we keep God number one and, and us second and, and all the other stuff after that. Cause there's, there's lots of that stuff. What are some practical things that uh, we do to keep, us number
1: two in life um i guess i can speak for myself i don't know about for tj or for you um for me i know that i operate better in my life i feel better about myself when i'm closer to god or i'm spending time in relationship with god and i know that when i'm irritated or agitated or frustrated with tj um I, I look at myself first because I recognize that maybe there's something that's out of alignment in my life. So for me, it's constantly looking within myself and kind of figuring out, am I not spending enough time with God? Is my heart not right in something? And so for me, it's just constantly evaluating where I'm at because I know that I'm going to be a better wife if I'm secure and confident in my relationship with God.
0: So, so how do we keep that love alive when— In the number two aspect, what are some practical things that that you feel like we do that has made that successful? After God is first, how do we keep us second? Because there's so many things competing for our second place.
1: Yeah. Again, I think it comes back to priority. Um, Making the date night a priority. Making engaging conversation a priority. Learning um, how to communicate with one another and just talk through things. I think For TJ and I, it is just about like that quality time and spending that time together and figuring out how to creatively do that when you have busy lives and things constantly, again, competing for for that relationship or that spot in our life. And so it's just making those things priority, date night and conversation with one another.
0: Now let me ask you this. I know some women might not be okay with being the number two, in, in their man's life because they want to be the number one how do you feel about being my number two
1: I want to be number two because I I actually want a guy that's pursuing Christ first because if he's pursuing Christ and he has that as the number one position of his heart he is gonna be able to take care of me much better he's gonna be able to love me much better because to me If people don't know that loving relationship with Christ and if they're not connected to Christ, then we really don't know how to love one another. So for me, I constantly wanna push my husband to have God as the number one position of his heart because I recognize that when God is number one and I am number two, I am much more loved and valued by my husband because he knows how to do that because of his relationship with God.
0: Now, in talking about pushing me, You know, do do we ever fight or anything? I mean, does that ever happen?
1: Well, how do I answer this? You do really well at covering up the bruises. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Told y'all you didn't even believe me, so wondering why I'm always wearing long sleeves, so I gotta say, uh m- Shayla had no idea. I just kind of randomly asked her those questions. She didn't have a clue what was coming, but this is what I know. is that I've been married to that woman for almost 13 years now, and uh, I'm more in love with her today than I was the day I met her, and I've known her since we were 11 years old. Um, but I believe that we have what we have because we've learned to put God in His rightful place, put Him in the number one, and our relationship number two, and And we choose to serve each other. We choose to communicate to each other. We choose to be honest and open. And and we spend that time. We don't just say that our relationship is a priority. Our actions follow up with it. And I truly believe that that today you can have an incredible relationship, not only with God, but with your spouse. And I want to help you start taking steps towards that that will that will help you practically, because this is awesome. Hey, put God first, me second. You know, this second is great in theory, but practically, how does that look? And, and so, I, I just want to give you one thing to do, and and some of you guys know, uh, have heard of a guy named Ed Young. He's, he's a pastor of a church in in dallas texas called fellowship church he he put out this this challenge to his church called the sex experiment and it's uh having sex with your spouse for the next seven days uh we're not going to do that um i know some of y'all were like hallelujah praise the lord i love this church this, uh, we just, this is our first time but we're staying here you know um listen you you can do you can do that challenge on your own if you want if you're married okay if you're not married keep it in the pants um seriously, I mean, I, I've been married for almost 13 years, after four or five days, I mean, really, I just want to cuddle after that, I mean, really, I mean, seven, that's a long time, I'm I just thinking about that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good, um, TMI, TMI, <sighs> sorry, uh, here, here's the real challenge, and I think specifically for this context, and, uh, that's probably more important than that, and that's this, is, is I want to challenge you to, to pray for the next seven days. Just set some time aside and pray. And for single people, uh, engaged people, I want to encourage you to, to pray and say to God, like, God, I want to make you number one. Listen, you're not ready for number two until you find intimacy and everything you need in number one. And so I want would, to I would encourage you to pursue God, seek God out. You can pray for your number two that's down the road. But seek God out and say, God, I want to make you my ultimate, my all in all. And make that your prayer for the next seven days. Spend some time with God. For those of y'all that are, that are married, I just ask that for the next seven days that you take some time. I don't care if it's 30 seconds. And grab your spouse and say, man, we're going to pray. We're going to pray that, and put God first. And we're going we're to worship him. And, and we're going to pray that you would unite us even more. That we would, we would lay down our lives and serve our spouse, that we would put the priorities in order, and, and maybe some of them are out of whack right now, that God, you would help reveal those things in our lives so that we can get you first and our spouse second. This is what I believe. I believe that God is going to start to transform some of your relationships, and I don't think this is just going to be something that you're gonna, that's going to be just for seven days. I think this is going to be the beginning of a lifetime of things that are going to help you in your relationship with God. And I believe that God wants to set us up To not just be married, but have the ultimate marriage. That just, we don't dread going home, but we're looking forward to it because of the intimacy we have in our relationship with him and the intimacy we have with our spouse. Because to really find fulfillment in life, man, we got to do what Jesus said. In Matthew 6:33, seek first the kingdom of God, make God your number 1, and then everything else will be added to you. See, God first. Pursue your spouse second. Everything else comes after. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.